Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Point of Reference um, podcast, where we make sense of where we've been to light a path to where we're going. I'm very excited uh, to talk to today's guest, which is Taylor Reed. Um, she is currently a marketing specialist and also a freelancer. Um, and she's very funny and entertaining. I know at one point I've told her that she should be an actress, an entertainer, anything, because she has like the most electric personality. Um, and I love watching you on social media, TikTok. Um, but yeah, so that's a little bit about Taylor. I'm going to let her talk about herself. So who is Taylor? Well, first of all, that was incredibly sweet. And what a phenomenal introduction. I hope that I can live up to at least a fraction of what you, <laughs> you just said. So thank you. And it's a pleasure to be here. I'm very happy to be on. And of course, since it's Aries season, I would love to talk about myself. So just <laughs> you let me know what you want to know exactly. But um, as you said, I am a marketing specialist. Um, I initially, I, I mean, I have a journalism degree. I worked in broadcast. I went to the University of Missouri. So I initially was going down a route of journalism and being a daily reporter and kind of decided to make the shift into marketing because I thought that I would enjoy the creativity of it a little bit more. I also love writing and I love writing creatively. So being able to cater your content to a specific brand and have it be flowery language was always just kind of um, appealing to me. So I've had several internships and jobs all around the world. I've lived in Barcelona, Spain. I had an internship there at a news agency. I worked for Thomson Reuters um, international marketing team in London and Canary Wharf. And I've also worked for um, this volunteer company based in the UK that sends students from the US and the UK to do volunteer work in communities in Ghana and West Africa. And so I lived in England for a while outside, outside of London in a little town called Fleet doing market research for about three months. And then I got to Ghana for three months and basically went around and followed six different groups of students on an overland safari truck. And we went to monkey sanctuaries and I made many documentaries for each of these schools to take back for recruitment purposes, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So, you know, I'm a go-getter, world traveler, crazy person, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And that's awesome. I mean, I feel like few of us get an opportunity to do that. And then it sounds like you were able to either get paid or paid an experience, you know, to travel the world, which is an amazing opportunity. You know, when I was in college, I think I guess like traveling abroad or studying abroad wasn't something that was really on my radar and it wasn't something that was really pushed in, at, in high school, on this high school level or like college level. And I remember I was a residential advisor um, for my dorm at one point. Um, and I was an advisor for like our black student union. And I know one of the kids wanted to put on like a panel discussion about you know, traveling abroad and studying abroad for specifically like African-American students kind of pushing, you know, younger students to want to do that and telling their experiences. And I'm like in the, the meeting and I'm just like, man, I wish that I would have heard this, you know, like all of the enriching right. you know, things that you can get from, you know, having those experiences and having those cultural exposures, you know, and it was too late in my college career. I was like a senior <laughs> at that point to, you know, take advantage, but that's an amazing opportunity to like, you know, travel the world and see how other people do it. So what was the inspiration behind wanting to be international and, you know, do that? Like what kind of prompted you to do that? Sure. So it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, my mother, who is, I'm biracial. So my dad is a first generation immigrant from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And my mom is 
you know, we're white European, but American, <laughs> you know, we even like we're half Irish and German or something. You can normally tell by our Irish toasts when we're at the bar. But <laughs> other than that, um, so she, especially after having a biracial child, um, and she's an educator and has worked in education my entire life, you know, always has just really immersed herself in every reading, every, you know, like, you know, right now, like white privilege has been a huge topic across mm -hmm. all, all countries um, as of late. But so she started watching all these movies. She started researching about just like different countries in Africa. And okay, well, like if I did want to volunteer, where would I go? And this happened, I think, when I was probably in eighth grade. In my freshman year of high school, she ended up after she saw the movie Blood Diamond, which I guess just that was the last straw. <laughs> that was the straw that broke the camel's back. She's like, you know what? No, I'm doing something. So um, Ghana and West Africa, which is also kind of how then it led to me getting this position later, um, is one of the friendliest, safest countries, especially for if you've never been there, if you're going to go alone, it's a good starting starting point. So she left by herself, um, went through, signed up through this one. Um, it was called Saber Trust at the time. It's a charity organization. She helped um, revamp lesson plans, helped go like assess different schools. She also worked in a couple of orphanages. And when she came back home, she was like, you're coming with me next summer. Like this is gonna, this is gonna change your life. And it hundred percent did. Um, so we went back several years after that. I would help in the schools. I would do whatever any, you know, I put on like a sports day for the kids and I like rented all these games and hosted and got like us a speaker and, you know, like we, we did so many cool things. Um, and then it ended up later, like 10 years later, actually, from the first time I went to Ghana, that that same organization that has now transformed into, into partner schools worldwide hired me to go back. And wow. so it was, it, it was cool to be able to go and like, be working for this organization that I, you know, this is my first introduction into the country. And now it's been such a positive and amazing way for me to, to, to see things that I otherwise never would have. So I even forgot what the question was. <laughs> oh, that answers it. I mean, um, okay. like the inspiration, you know, behind oh, yeah. wanting to be international. So, you know, your mom planting that seed and kind yeah, of so absolutely. And it also was though, like you said, I feel like so many people don't realize the, the resources, especially at universities around them, um, regarding study abroad programs or how accessible they really can be, especially you're paying so much out of, especially if you're out of state, you know, you're paying so much for tuition a semester anyway. Sometimes it's even cheaper to go abroad and, you know, spend however many couple thousands of dollars to do a semester like I did in Barcelona, which then when I was leaving, I had my roommates were still is one of my best friends to this day. Her name's Ebony and she is absolutely fantastic. And we met studying abroad there. And when her and I left, we looked at each other. We were juniors in college and I was like, dude, I want to move back here. And she was like, I want to move back here too. So after we graduated with our broadcast journalism degrees, we saved up money for a year. We got our international teaching certificates so that we would have a fallback plan, you know, whatever. And we bought one-way tickets to Barcelona and we figured it out. And we ended up living there for, I was there 18 months. And then I got that job that sent me to the UK and then Ghana. She stayed a little bit longer and then ended up coming back to the States. But she's still with the same boyfriend she met there. Like, we have the time of our lives, girl. <laughs> That's amazing. That is Work amazing. hard, play hard, you know? For sure. Yeah. So what do you think, like, those experiences have really um, added to your journey like whether that's just personally or um even professionally like what what how has that affected your perspective on like this path of trying to find sure. your path? um so one of my favorite quotes I'm, I'm huge on words obviously you know journalism writing all yeah. that stuff but one of my favorite quotes is the world is a book and those who do not travel read only one page 
Mm. And I live by that. That is, a, I mean, you don't even, I can't even explain to people what you're missing, what your life is lacking. You don't, you can't miss what you've never had. So if you only ever stay in your comfort zone, if you're only ever staying in this one bubble, this one life, you're never even going to know how much is out there to actually live. And I, I mean, I've traveled to 20 plus countries. Half of those I traveled on my own as a black woman. And I can tell you there, I don't even, I can't think of one time that I ever really was felt like really scared or in danger. That's not saying threats don't exist. And that's not saying don't be vigilant and know where you are and have, you know, an, an escape plan or a plan in general. I'm just saying that the world is a lot more welcoming than what people tend to believe or what you see on the news or, you know, what you, what perception you may have of someone whose culture you don't understand. And once you put yourself in that place to actually learn and immerse yourself in these different cultures and worlds, you realize, A, we are all truly the same. Everyone, like our differences are few and far between in relation to how much, how much people have in common with each other. And B, it makes you happy. It fills you with this vibrant energy and this, you know, this new, and maybe, you know, you can also go somewhere and not like it, but then you return to where you came from or you go on to the next place and you realize the things that you do like and you cherish them even more. So on a personal level, changes my life. And also on a professional level, because I've not just been like, I mean, a lot of it was, you know, just like partying and hostels and, you know, of course, like you got to live too. But I mean, a lot of my living abroad has been related to my professional career. So the skill sets that I've learned, you know, being able to make these mini documentaries or also just being able to show people, hey, you can throw me in the UK, you can throw me in Africa, you can put me in anywhere in Europe and I'm going to be fine. Like I know how to talk to people, I know how to adapt. And that is adaptability, I think, especially in the world that we have today and the ever-changing markets is one of the biggest cells and most vital components to have in, in a worker. Yes. And I'm over here like vigorously shaking my head <laughs> because I feel like adaptability is like the biggest, you know, if you don't have anything else or you have few other skills or attributes, like adaptability is probably one of the most important ones to, to hone or to learn to have, you know, in any environment, because just with COVID happening, like yeah. that just threw everybody for a loop, you know, changing the landscape of the way that we work, whether it's like virtual or in person, et cetera, you know, it's like important to be able to move with the punches, you know, and um, yes, so I love that. I love that. I think that that's sure. the key. If there's anything that people need to take away is that you need to be adaptable and yeah personal and, and push yourself, mm -hmm. you know, like take the leap, I, you know, leap in the net shall appear. You got to figure it out. Like if you're waiting around for the right moment, you'll be waiting your whole lifetime and you're going to miss it. So for you just sure. gotta, you gotta take that, take that dive, man. Yeah. I feel that 100%. So let's go back to journalism and marketing. So like, what was the inspiration behind going into that field? Like what made you, was there a moment that you decided, well, obviously there was a moment that you decided that you wanted to take that path, whether it was journalism or marketing. So tell me about that. Where did that start? Yeah. So I'm one of like the few people slash the only people I have ever known that just kind of knew. I always just knew what I wanted to do. First of all, in case you can't tell, I love speaking. <laughs> I will talk all day. I have no problem talking in front of people. You know, like I live post my entire life anyway. I just think it's funny and I'm very personable. And so that's like public speaking has never been an issue for me. And then on the other hand, I love to write. I've written 
for as long, like reading, writing, anything to do with like English language. I love grammar. So it kind of just was all of this culmination of all these different things that I loved. And then I have ended up taking a um, journalism class in high school that really just kind of solidified, okay, yes, I love this. And then that was news, like that was the paper. And then I tried a broadcast class and I'm like, oh, okay, wait. <laughs> and then I hosted our Wolfpack News at the top of Second Block here on ECV Channel 16 every day. <laughs> and so it was just kind of one of those things that I just, it, it flowed very well for me. And I do, I mean, that's something that I still am always like, you know, I, I want to, and I know that, but you know, you got to put this manifest, put the things out in the, you know, in the universe. But like, I would love to one day have like my own show, like a combination of like an Oprah Ellen thing, yeah. you know, where yeah. like you have like the journalistic aspect of like the interviews and like, you know, the news or something that, you know, what's relevant or timely, but then you also have like the fun and the flair and the branding. So like, that's like a, I think a healthy mix of the journalism and marketing that still has it um, informational, but then also is still fun because that's what journalism, why I ended up, I'm like, I can't, I, I was like, I can't sell my soul for $35,000 a year living in Oklahoma. Like, I'm just yeah. so sorry, but like, you know, <laughs> I, I wanted to live in Barcelona. Like it just didn't, and with marketing and especially now with COVID, how everything has moved remote, it's just so easy. I do it from home. I don't mm -hmm. have to, I don't have to be in one place. I can move absolutely anywhere. I love that freedom of not having to report to an office. And so that's what's kind of kept me on the marketing path as of late. Um, also just because I, I, well, I don't know. I really love both. And I'm still trying to, you know, I turned 28 in a week and I'm still like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> and I have a lot of things under my belt. You know, I, I don't feel lost. I feel like every year I'm just getting a little bit closer to finding what exactly is that I'm trying to accomplish here. But in the meantime, I just need to build my professional skill set around the things that I love as much as I can. And that's what I would recommend to anyone who is trying to figure out their life's calling. Because another thing is like, even going into school, it's hard to decide at 18, let alone, I'm 28, it's 10 years later. And I'm still like, I don't know. But you know, I, it's, it's okay just to go and go with the flow and try to figure it out. Or, you know, take your time and take some classes that appeal to you, or, you know, try out an internship that you're not really sure, but you're not gonna know until you go try. So that's kind of what my, my whole life, I feel like up to this point, which is like in general, is just, you know, trial and error, figure out the things that you like, but what you don't like, what suits your lifestyle and what fuels your fire and then chase that. For sure. And what's an example of like, so you're saying even now it's like step-by-step, step, you're trying to figure out exactly what that, not dream path, but like what that path is going to be for you, like professionally. So Give me some examples of like some of the things that you're doing now at this stage, you know, after post high school, I mean, not post high school, well, post high school, post oh, yeah. college. I did also go to high school. <laughs> yes, yes, you did, yes. Um, but like post college, you know, you're, you have some skin in the game in terms of work experience. So like, what are those steps that you're taking now to like kind of find that path? So what's funny is, okay, so right now I, I have a job that I love. I, I'm a great position and I actually start another part-time job on April 13th, which is like a copywriting. I, I will be a ghostwriter for US CEOs and politicians, which also is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, funny thing about that is a little fun fact for, for the audience is that that company is based in Central Europe. So we even outsource the words of our politicians to, <laughs> to another country. So I just find that very ironic, <laughs> mm -hmm. but nonetheless. Um, 
what I'm doing now is essentially just, I continuously am building my portfolio. I'm working on, you know, my website. I'm, I'm showing people my, my wide range of skills. So for example, I currently am working as a marketing specialist with, um, this corporation that is selling like a whole bunch of courses related to like inner healing and like for a bunch of different therapists, coaches, um, they do like meditation work and a whole lot, a lot of other therapy related things. So with that, like just on Wednesday, I hosted, it, there was like, you know, a couple hundred people, um, this webinar with my boss and her partner. And, you know, I was the host and we did like a Q and a and a raffle at the end and all these different things. And yeah, like it's via zoom, whatever, but showing these skill sets, even if I decided that I want to work for entertainment tonight and, you know, 10 years and whatever, having this, these small portfolio of, of things to show that like, Hey, even if it's not me on the red carpet, here's how I interact with people. Here's my demeanor. You know, you get to still see how people, you know, my, my performance essentially same thing with all of my old reels, my, my stories from KOMU eight news. Um, you know, you keep all of those. I used to do radio as well. It's just, I feel like, especially if you're not sure what you want to do, do it all, you know, then that's kind of what, uh, cause I'm like, it's, it can't hurt to, mm. to have one extra skill, even if I don't have to use it later, you know, it's never going to look worse to show that, oh, I really wanted to have a well-rounded complete skill set so that, you know, I can be a one man band or one woman band in mm. any area that you put me in. Like, I didn't know what cranial sacral therapy was. And I like, I'm smaller than what that is. And that's what my <laughs> boss does. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like now, I can write newsletters for her. And you know, it's just, it's, it's again, it's showing that adaptability and showing just kind of also your capability of being able to acquire a variety of skill sets or be like being able to push yourself into something that, you know, you wouldn't otherwise be so familiar with. For sure. I love that. And I feel like, um, like I also, I also majored in journalism, uh, broadcast journalism in school. I minored in uh, political science and public relations. So um, same thing, like even going back to what you said about um, feeling kind of limited by traditional journalism, you know, like trying to still have that creativity um, aspect of it and trying to figure out a way to kind of show that side of you, you know, with storytelling. And I, it's so interesting because like a, a lot of my, you know, network of people is people that I went to school with and that were in classes with me with journalism. And we all have like the same story of like, we wanna be storytellers. We wanna, you know, the entertainment aspect and, and speaking to people and, you know, that interactive um, aspect of what journalism is, the core of it. Um, and it's just, it's interesting. Like we all have our different paths of like trying to do that in, different arenas, you know, yeah. like, cause I, cause right now I'm like in merchandising and I'm in the industry that's totally not like journalism, totally not really inherently storytelling, but it's like, I'm finding ways to bring that passion and those skills to my job, like, you know, yeah. creating a lane and even like doing this podcast outside of work, like, you know, trying to keep those skills up and then just feed that side of you, you know, and even if you're not in something that is perfectly aligned with like the bigger picture, it's still something that you can gain those skills that you can take into another arena or um, even just, you know, it'll, it'll lead you to the next thing, you know? Absolutely. And like you said too, it's so important to have passion projects. Even if, you know, like I worked in a, for a year during COVID 
at a compliance officer job that I absolutely hated. I was filling out data in a spreadsheet every day alone in my, a basement. You know what I mean? Like it was a miserable, but then I started my YouTube channel and then I started posting on TikTok. And then, you know what I mean? And this opened up doors in different ways that I didn't even think of kind of capitalizing on previously. And I also think when it comes to creativity and the, the sectors that we've you know chosen to, to pursue mm -hmm. is that like, Sometimes it's discouraging to see, like, I used to think, all right, well, I want to be in journalism. I want to make an impact. I want to have a legacy and I want to have a voice that people recognize and know and, and help and help the world however I can, you know? Um, and now I'm kind of like, but is that the best way? Because look at the way that people react to journalists and reporters now. Fake news is like the first thing that comes up if you Google news. People are not reacting, respecting, or listening to these mm -hmm. outlets as they used to. And where are they looking? At social media, which sure yeah. may seem absolutely ludicrous and probably is because like, <laughs> who, who isn't a reporter when we all have iPhones and can live stream from anywhere? But right. it is also like, you know, these crazy people and their voices are going to be amplified on these platforms regardless of if I choose to post there or not. Why don't I have, you know, I should take the same initiative then and bring my voice to these platforms and try to cultivate a following there that you can still make money from. You know what I mean? And then you get, that opens up a whole new arena of opportunity. Um, and I'm not saying, I mean like, yeah, I'd love to be TikTok famous or Instagram, you know what I mean? Sure, I'll be an influencer, why not? That sounds like a lot of fun. If uh, Patron is listening to this, call me. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, please, I will always plug you. But, um, the most important thing, even because, you know, I do TikTok and all the social media stuff, obviously on the side, I have two other jobs, real mm -hmm. jobs that I have a steady income with. So I wouldn't say like abandon, you know, quit everything if you have no real fallback plan or also don't have any degrees or, you know, a skill set. But I'm, I'm a fairly confident person and I feel that my confidence in myself and my abilities is what has opened these doors for me and why I've gotten so many of these positions that are around the world that people are always like, oh my God, how? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I tried. And even when I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to meet it, even if I didn't really know, you act the part, you fake it till you make it right. and you will. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah, and there's two things I really wanna like amplify and highlight that you, you said. It's like the fact that you can, you alluded to the fact that you can make an impact the way that you initially envisioned, but maybe in a different arena or a different way than you thought was possible at one point. You know what I mean? So you could still do something or you can still, you know, be that voice and make that difference that you wanted to make. Um, but maybe it's not in the traditional sense that you, you initially thought was possible or could you could do. So I, I love that. And I think that it's important that like people yeah. grab a hold of that. And then also um, the fact that, am I losing it? I think I lost it. I think I lost <laughs> okay. my, second, my second point. <laughs> That's the story of my life, girl. Like the wind blows and I'm like, what's like, happening? <laughs> it was just so many good things. I was like, I was trying to grab oh, it. Thank you. And I but also it. the thing I wanted to say, just going off that though, also was like normalize changing your mind. If you, you know, sometimes we envision what our future should look like, what we want it to look like, and then we get there and we're like, mm, actually, like I'm not as happy or I'm not as fulfilled or this just doesn't feel right. That's okay. Like you're allowed to still alter whatever path you are on or 
forge a new one if you should want to. Like you shouldn't ever, just because when you reach a goal, it might not be all that you ever hoped, set a different one. You know, like that's happened to me several times. Where, and then, you know, you feel kind of, I don't know if it's unaccomplished or maybe just like, you know, like, uh, like maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome thing. Like, oh, like now I'm here and I just don't feel, you know, like I said, like fulfilled. Um, so yeah, but don't stay in that position then, which so many people tend to do because it's comfortable or it's easy or it took you so long to get there. Like keep pushing for the next best thing. Cause I could have stayed with a lot of these other positions. Thompson Reuters, I'm still coming back for you. But like, <laughs> but you know, and I just kind of was like, no, I feel like I, I learned what I needed to. I, I, I've grown, I, this has been amazing and I'm ready for the next thing. So like, don't be afraid to take the next step. Yeah, for sure. And I, I found it. I remembered now. <laughs> what, uh, what I was uh, going to amplify was the fake it till you make it part. You know, uh, it reminded me. So have you seen that um, limited series like about Anna Sorkin or like inventing Anna on Netflix? Oh my God. <laughs> First of all, I literally was like, and she was what, 26? hustling people out of millions and millions. And I'm like, and what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's like, she might be a little bit of a sociopath, just like oh, slightly, but you know, but th- it was said something about her. And I think that there's a lesson that you could, you can take from that, but in a positive direction, a legal direction of like, she really <laughs> believed in herself. Like that was the key. She believed yeah. in herself. She was like, I am going to do this. I am this person you know, and that she exuded that in every room that she was a part of, every person that she met and they believed her. So it's like the fact that she didn't have anything or she didn't have the backing of like actually being that person or having the resources, but she was able to- The backing of anything or anyone. No, nothing. (laughs) But she was able to get so far just based off of her belief in herself. So that just says like how powerful, you know, self-confidence and um, is in terms of getting to that next step or getting to the next level. Because if you present yourself as uh, someone that's worthy or somebody that knows what they're doing and you actually are that person, you know what I mean? It's like the, the world, the universe, God will open those doors for you and you know it'll make a way because you believe in yourself and other people will believe in you too. So that was the other 150%. part. 150% that I wanted to, to amplify because that's important. And I think um, it's an undervalued, you know, element in this whole life thing. You know what I mean? It's like, believe in yourself. Is I not could not agree more. Manifesting. Yeah. It's not just like- It's not oh, just a sticker that your teacher gave you in third grade, like for no right. reason. No, like there's meaning behind that. And it's just like you said, like you are the creator of your own destiny. And I can tell you, like I live, I always say like, I don't want to live in a what if world. I'm not going to let my, allow my world to be one that when I look 30 years from now, I'm like, well, what if I would have done this? Or what if I would have tried? Or what if, no, I do it. And even if it's something that I'm terrified to do, which I'll tell you, like, you know, it it could be something even as dumb as like, I was at this company retreat with Thompson Reuters and I'm the only American there. There's like 65 people from all, all the different departments. And we all had to do this, like, corporate fun away day and they had like these theater troupe people come in um and they were like okay we need like a volunteer to go on stage now I know in my heart of hearts I'm like go Taylor like you're you're, like do it but I was so anxious that I did like I just stood there and then I hear my boss in the back like Taylor Taylor (laughs) raise your hand and I'm like Matt no and he's like and I'm like 
I have to. So I raised my hand and they called me up and I mean, it was hilarious. I had, ended up having the CEO come up to me of like our international head of marketing. And he was like, here's my card. You're great. If you need anything, like you let me know. And I'm like, Gary, you will be hearing from me. <laughs> like <laughs> like I, that I better that. not be an empty promise, but you know, it's just, and it's something that's even, that's like not, you know, the biggest deal. My life wouldn't have been over had I not got mm -hmm. up on, a, got up on that stage, but it would have been something like a small regret in my heart that just doesn't need to be there. And now I have such a funny memory and a, and a great connection. And that's just something on a much smaller scale, but an example of how much differently your life can be if you truly just go out and go for the things that you deserve and the things that you want. For sure. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. There's been so many times I've felt underqualified or have been underqualified and it was just the like, I'm like, no, I can do this. Like I've got great, you know, I'm innovative and I could just, you know, speak and, and sell myself and make people feel confident and through your own confidence. And it changes every, every pathway that's ever going to be there for you. Cause it yeah. has for me. That's awesome. I really love that. And I, I think that that's something that a lot of people are afraid to embrace or cultivate, you know? Um, but I think it's important because you, at the end of the day, you don't want to have regrets. And that's something that's even like driving me with this podcast, you know, like for so long, I was just like afraid. This is something in my mind to do. And I was just afraid I was in my head about it, but I'm like, I'm going to regret this. If I just don't take that leap and do it, um, it's going to gnaw at me forever, you know, and the window opportunity might not be there. Circumstances might change, but, you know, just doing it. And even if you don't, like land where you wanted to land, you know, you'll still um, thank yourself for taking that leap and, and doing it, just taking a chance. hundred percent, girl. Absolutely. And, um, and you mentioned before social media, TikTok. Um, so I know TikTok, you are very active on there. You got like a few viral type of videos. So yeah. tell me um, <laughs> in terms of sharing your experiences, you know, I know that i I'm familiar with like your funny posts about, you know, just like your happenings, different things that you do. Um, but even like the vulnerable stuff, uh, what kind of drove you to share that on social media and start making that type of content? So honestly, I've always just weirdly, I mean, all my friends, of course, you know, follow me and stuff. And, I, and I've always been in such random different places that initially I use like in my Instagram stories or my Snapchat as a tool just to keep everyone updated of where I was in the world, <laughs> you know? And then it just, it, they started getting really good responses or I just have a lot of people laughing or whatever. And I don't care, even if it's three people, I'm doing it to laugh at myself. So if I have one other person laughing with me, like we're off to a good start. So I don't know, like I said before, I'm pretty confident. I love to talk. I love to interact with people. I have friends from all over the world. So it's also, I just use these tools as a method of communication, staying in the loop. Um, and so I, I also think, because I am a very happy, bubbly person, if you can't tell by me speaking mm -hmm. a mile a minute and <laughs> never ceasing to speak, but uh, I think that a lot of people just assume that that's kind of how I always am. And, you know, because people only ever post their highlight reels on social media. You don't see enough transparency. You don't see enough vulnerability. So I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to post me on beaches and having the time of my life all the time, which is, you know, a, a, most of my life, and I'm very thankful and very blessed for that. Um, I'm also going to post the times where I can't get off the couch for three days and I'm crying and you know what I mean? My hair's mad because I haven't showered and you know what I mean? Cause mm -hmm. you're, there is that duality. I don't care who you are. No one ever is all ups or all downs. 
Um, and so TikTok was, you know, something that hit me in the pandemic, like with most other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was just so, it was, I love that app because it's incredible in the sense that it just connects people from absolutely anywhere. You don't have to be following them. You know how the For You page can just, is just, just an endless stream of content catered specifically for you. And it could be someone in Israel or it could be someone in Idaho and they're all doing the same TikTok dance or you know on the same trend. And I think that that's incredible. But on the other end of the spectrum, people are absolutely crazy, <laughs> crazy. So when you are transparent and vulnerable on the internet you better have thick skin and be ready for the trolls that are going to take that morsel of vulnerability and milk it for all that it's worth so when i was working in that horrible job i told you about as a compliance officer when i was miserable i worked in it for about a year mm -hmm. and throughout that year i went from part-time to full-time accumulated three other positions of people who quit who were my bosses and was basically running the this entire department by myself without a raise, without any pay adjustment. So after a year, I spoke to the CEO at the time who had hired me, by the way, because she was a family friend. It was this whole thing. I came to her with this proposal. I'm like, look, I was headhunted by this other compliance company where the, I was making 20 an hour through this company, right? I've got two college degrees and like the starting average starting wage for this position is 35 an hour. So mm -hmm. I said, I was like, I have this other offer from another compliance company for 35 an hour. So I was going to take it to my boss and say, Hey, can we discuss uh, pay adjustments? I want to talk about the evolution of my role over this past year and my commitment and blah, 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 blah. Um, so I decided to make a TikTok about it because obviously I thought I was going to get the raise. <laughs> <laughs> and also um, I'd never asked for a raise before. So yeah. I was like, you know, one hour before my raise. And then it was, you know, 30 minutes before the raise asking for the raise, wish me luck. And then I played like a little clip of me asking on Zoom, which by the way, my boss did not even have the decency to show up on camera. Um, I, yeah, they were just not, this company was just not, for, you know what I mean? They were yeah. just not for me. So anyway, I make my proposal. She goes, mm, okay, like I'll get back to you. Messaged me 10 minutes later and says, there's a salary cap on the role that I'm in. So the most they could ever give me is $22 an hour. Oh my God. So then my video that I'm saying, counting down, asking for the raise, cuts to me hysterically crying. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, they don't, you know, just know you worth and crying and whatever. <laughs> and then the next clip is me drafting my letter of resignation because I had an at-will contract, which meant that I could quit at any time and they could fire me at any time. So it was a Monday and I told them, because I needed, you know, a few more days pay. I was mm -hmm. like, my last day will be Friday. And so I was just like, know your worth, don't settle for less. Like I... I know my skill set. I know my degrees. I know what job I'll be able to find. So the response to that video, which got 3 million views about, mm. I think, um, I don't even know how many comments, thousands of comments, thousands of shares. Inside Edition picked up my clip and played it because that happened in September of last year. And that September was dubbed the great resignation because 4.5 million Americans all quit their jobs in September. Obviously I had not known that, but it was for very similar reasons. You know, after a year in a pandemic, everyone's overworked, underpaid, stressed, anxiety levels are through the roof. Like, and don't live a life where you feel like shit every day for a corporation who's willing to replace you with the next person in line. Like that is not, and I don't care with all the boomers saying to me, 
well, I worked for 70 years and only got two cents raised. Yes. And you also only needed four cents to live for a year. And that was 500 <laughs> years ago. You know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not the, the world that we live in anymore. It's not. Rent prices are insane. You have, and, and especially as women, especially as women of color, advocate for the compensation you deserve. Do you, but also do your research, which I did. I came to them with charts. I came to them with facts. I came to them with another offer. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't just pulling a number out of thin air. Um, and yeah, they, they would not budge. And now I am making the exact dollar amount that I wanted to make. So that is just another testament to manifest destiny because I refuse to settle. And to be fair, you know, I had savings and I was like fine at the time. You know, it took me, a, it took me two months to find a new job. Oh, wow. So that was a yeah. quick turnaround. So that's a, yeah, a it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I was, I was getting a little stressed. I'll be honest, girl. I was getting a little stressed, <laughs> but yeah. So half the people on the internet were like, yes, queen, know your worth rooting for you. We love this. You know, we need more people to advocate for themselves. And cause what shocked me the most was why is everybody siding with the billion dollar corporation and not the workers. That's capitalism in America for you, dude. That's showing how truly brainwashed so many people are into thinking like, you really want the Jeff Bezoses to have more money? You think he can't afford to pay, you know, six more dollars on a wage? Please, the man, they're going to the damn moon. Stop it. Like, don't tell me the money's not there. And, and the fact that I found a job that I love that's creative on the path that I wanted to be back on shows that don't say somewhere that you're miserable. Don't. It helps no one. Yeah. And it's like rejection is just rerouting. You know what I mean? And it is. And um, just counting, I guess it, like the key is just the perspective on the situation. Just say like, this is not for me. And it's like, you already kind of talked about the fact that you weren't satisfied with it anyways. You know what I mean? And it wasn't something that was leading you in the right direction regardless. So, you know, just looking at it as, um, an opportunity to find something that fits better rather than, you know, a rejection or like a personal dig at you because it's not that. So, um, Absolutely. so, and that is easier said than done, obviously. I mean, I did cry about it. So you know what I, yeah, mean? I was going to ask like, you about I did, that. Yeah. I mean, it, cause it, cause rejection does suck, especially when you feel like, you know, I put my hard work in, I bent over backwards in the hopes that this would then reap some reward or benefit you know a lot of people had called me naive and I said do you think I'm working here like for my health like no I'm working here for money dude like what why would I work harder for what less money like the same yeah. like that's just not how that's not how this should be um I totally lost my train of thought <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry I did it's good it'll, it's good it'll come back to me um yeah but I, I wanted to talk about that. So like the disappointment and of course it is important to, to, you know, shift your perspective and it helps, you know, but like you said, it doesn't take away the sting of being rejected. It's like, I know the bigger picture, like the bigger picture is that this wasn't for me. This is good for me to move in um, a better direction or the right direction. But, you know, the sting of rejection still is there is it is what it is. So how did you, I don't know if that is like the only experience you've had in your professional life or whatever in terms of um, feeling that disappointment or rejection, but like when that happened in that instance or other instances, how did you navigate that and how did you get on the other side? Um, so I've definitely had rejection. Um, the one that always pops into my head first that I'm just like, 
oh, was when I was uh, in college working at the news station and they had the Make-A-Wish Foundation come reach out to us and they wanted to take one reporter with them to go to the Olympics in 2016 to Rio um, to follow around families with a GoPro, which is like what I exactly what I did kind of, well, not make a wish, but you know what I mean. Anyway, to follow around camp, uh, families with a GoPro and like send back the footage to like their home town local station so they could make like little news segments for the kids. So amazing, amazing opportunity. How great. So my news director picked me and one other girl to go interview. Mm-hmm. So and I went in and I mean, me and the guy were BFFs. He showed me his GoPro videos. I showed him my GoPro videos. I'm like, yeah, no, I love GoPro, blah, blah, blah. I thought I had it in the bag and I did not get it. Mm-hmm. My only consolation with that was I had no marketing experience at the time. I only did broadcast journalism and they went with a, a, the marketing girl. Mm. So it was like, so they didn't even pick someone from like our station. They went with marketing. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's fine, I guess, whatever. <laughs> um, but so even in that instance, well, I guess that was just me trying to rationalize my <laughs> my pain. <laughs> that's how that's how I got through it. I just was like deflected and was like, oh, well, it's obviously not me. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, it really is important to just kind of keep a positive attitude. That's a lot, a lot easier said than done. I would say, hopefully you have a support system. I know I do. I don't know what I would do without my friends and family. Sincerely, they have pulled me out of some dark places, man. And regardless of where I'm at, I could be on a beach in Italy having a bad time. And my mom will be like, up at 3am on the phone with me. You know what I mean? Like, do I need to buy you a ticket? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's fine. I'll just go back into the bar. Like, you know, it's, it's whatever. Um, but it's also just remembering your worth. You cannot, you cannot have your worth be validated by other people. It has to come from you. And that's something that I am still learning. And I think that we all learn as we go through life and hopefully we'll reach that culmination of true understanding. But it's really just being confident enough to know that you know i you could be the full package and still be at the wrong address you could have absolutely everything that. and still have someone not not see you for for all your potential and all that you are and can be and it's just reminding yourself that 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 you know best because no one knows you better than you and keep the course just I love that. keep the course i love that so much because um i that's something that i like have to tell myself all the time and it's it, it's I think it's like a lifelong journey of like understanding your self-worth and like not allowing that to be shaken by you know how other people react to you like even in like romantic relationships like when you oh, said yeah. that it's I feel like it's what it's most prevalent or like obvious to a lot of us in romantic situations where mm-hmm. like I'm great. Like I have the personality, I'm cute or whatever. And, you know, all these different things that, you know, you think that you're somebody worth entertaining at the very least. Yes. And then it's like for the wrong person, they're not going to care. Like you are that great, but it's like, you are, you're not their person. You know what I mean? For whatever the reason was, but it doesn't take away from how great you actually are you know, your, your value, if they reject you or don't, don't appreciate it, or it doesn't mean much to them. It doesn't mean that you don't mean much. Right. And I think that that's like a lifelong journey of like, you know, internalizing that and making that a part of like your outlook on yourself. Yeah. Your daily mantra. You just gotta like daily (laughs) affirmations in the mirror, you know, but that's the same thing. And even like, I went through a breakup 
on New Year's Eve this year, yeah. actually, and posted that now, girl, spot, whatever. <laughs> We're moving forward, girl. It's all good. Exactly what you said. Thank you. And yes, it is. Um, but it was just one of those things that was like, and I also posted that online because, you know, I, I, I'm posting pictures of me and my boyfriend for the past year. And then I, I hate, oh, that's been so many people. Some of my, I had two friends who were engaged, post their whole engagement. Like they're like distant friends, you know, I couldn't just ask, but like their whole engagement. And then all of a sudden, like one day, everything's gone. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, you need to give me the tea girl. Like what happened? Who cheated? Where is he now? So, I mean, so when me and my ex broke up, I posted about it. I was like three weeks into 2021 here or 2022. Here's what's, Here's the rundown. Went through a breakup, got COVID. That also wasn't super fun. But then also got a new position and got a new dog. And you know what I mean? So it's it's again just the transparency with the with the highs and the lows because no one needs to see these fake detrimental profiles that just show flawless girls, you know what I mean? Or people just like having the time of their lives every damn day because that's not real. And it's just hurtful and makes everyone else feel like shit too. So, yeah, for sure. I love that because uh, showing the bigger, the a more well-rounded picture of your life is more authentic. I think like for yeah. me in my life right now, and I've, I've said it several times on this podcast, so sorry, everybody, I'm, you're going to hear this all the time, um, <laughs> is that like the biggest thing for me right now is like authenticity, right? And just being authentic in every space and every aspect of your life and bringing that to everything that you do, because if you're not, you know, showing up as your total self and your real self, the people that are supposed to, you know, be in alignment with that person are not going to be in alignment. They're going to miss you. Right. Because I'm showing up, you know, I'm, I'm naturally purple. And I'm pretending like I'm yellow and the people that are looking for purple are not going, they're going to walk past me because I'm pretending like I'm yellow. And, um, you know, it's important to kind of, you know, embrace that and exude that. And I think that I really, I really appreciate your vulnerability and wanting to share, you know, every aspect of, you know, your journey. Um, Thank you. Because it, people need that and they can latch on to that and, it's something that um, will encourage somebody else to just keep moving and keep going. Yeah. And say like, you know, if she can navigate through this, I can navigate through my own situation, whatever it may be, whether it's big or small, you know, so. That's the hope. That's the hope for sure. And that thank goes you. back to making the impact. You know, you're still yeah, same. we're circling back. It's because it's also like the, the story, the old man. No, what is it? The old man and the little boy and the starfish. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, where he's like, why are you throwing, why are you throwing all the starfish in the sea? There's too many. You can't save them all. It doesn't matter. And the old man's just like, well, it mattered to that one. And yes, <laughs> so if you can, all oh, you just got to change one life. And one life is a lot, you know? Yes, for sure. I love that. So as we're wrapping up, um, I have a few questions. So is sure. there a uh, piece of advice that was really pivotal that you received um, to like just pivotal in your journey, you know, whether it's on a personal note or a career note, was there any piece of advice that you got and you were like, huh, that is changing my perspective going forward? That's a hard question. I don't know. (laughs) The first thing that came to mind, but I don't really know if this is 
like it's not like a good quote, I guess, but just like a little anecdote of a story, which also just correlates to everything we've been saying and about staying true to your course and regardless of people understand it, respect it or believe in it to just believe in yourself enough to continue. Um, before I moved to Barcelona, so everyone who was in my graduating class at Mizzou, Mm-hmm. all had because like we, we call ourselves the Mizzou Mafia because we're everywhere and like you know it's just this this whole network of people of international people that truly is amazing um and we really do look out for each other which is another amazing facet of that program but one of the things that sets you up for is a job seriously right out of graduation so I would say 98% of the people I graduated with left like graduating stage into full-time reporting positions so they have like rounds and rounds of interviews of recruiters and people come through like ABC, Fox, NBC, whoever. And I didn't take any of the interviews mm. because I was not trying to be in America or, <laughs> or do any of this stuff um, at the time because I wanted to move to Barcelona. And so my mom was like, hey, you know what I mean? My parents were like, what? But okay, fine. Like you're gonna do what you wanna do anyway. And they honestly are such wonderful supporters of me anyway. And it all worked out, so it's fine. But they were just kind of like, are you sure you don't, want to take an interview to see and so I was like you know what I will ask my news director Randy Reeves who is one one of the greatest mentors I've ever had in my life he was just the sweetest man you never find people that nice in news and he made our lives so happy he was fantastic anyway um I remember going up to him and he was like Taylor are you sure you don't want an interview and I'm like okay Randy like let me just level with you like here's my plan I don't know what I want to do I want to move abroad I what a travel. And he literally just sat there and he was like, Taylor, you know, if you were anyone else, I'd probably say you were crazy. He's like, but you should go. And I, I remember crying and I hugged him and I was like, and I will. And I did, <laughs> you know, and it, and it's that then catapulted me into a whole new life, into a whole new network of people and opportunity that if I stayed in whatever path that was meant for me, quote unquote, that people perceived to be meant for me, I never would have had. So my thing is don't always just because it's the trajectory you feel or others feel you should be on, feel that you need to follow that. You know, my mom got me this necklace that said, uh, it's an Emerson quote, um, do not go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And that's how 100% I think everyone should leave their life. Forge a new path for yourself. And if there's not, you know, if there's not a seat at the table, you build one and you pull it up your damn self. I love it. I love that so much. And that that answers my my other question too. Like what piece of advice would you have for somebody finding their path? Um, and that's build, your own. build your own. Yes, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. This yeah, it's been a pleasure, of course. Thank you for inviting me. I, I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> right. <laughs>